Hello, my name is Anne-Marie Cannon, and I'm the host of Armchair Historians. What's your favorite history? Each episode begins with this one question. Our guests come from all walks of life. YouTube celebrities, comedians, historians, even neighbors from the small mountain community that I live in. They're people who love history and get really excited about a particular time, place, or person from our distant or not-so-distant past. The jumping-off point is the place where they became curious, then entered the rabbit hole into discovery. Fueled by an unrelenting need to know more, we look at history through the filter of other people's eyes. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. Armchair Historians is an independent, commercial-free podcast. If you'd like to support the show and keep it ad-free, you can buy us a cup of coffee through Ko-fi, or you can become a patron through Patreon. Links to both in the episode notes. Hello, fellow Armchair Historians. Anne-Marie here. I'd like to start out by thanking all of our Kofi and Patreon supporters. Your support means the world to us. I'd also like to say, if you're unable to support the show through Kofi or Patreon, there are other ways you can do it, and it won't cost you a penny. First, you can leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Second, you can follow us on social media and join the conversation. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. This week, I continue my discussion with the co-authors of A Haunted History of Invisible Women, True Stories of America's Ghosts. This nonfiction book is co-authored by actress, playwright, ghost tour guide, and award-winning best-selling author, Leanna Renee Heber, which I had the distinct privilege of actually meeting this week. I don't often get to meet my guests in person because I conduct my interviews virtually. But Leanna is on book tour, and she actually was passing through Colorado, and she came on one of my ghost tours through Silver Queen walking tours in Georgetown, Colorado. And that was such a pleasure. I even got to go to her book premiere in Denver for A Haunted History of Invisible Women and her new novel, which just came out, Ghosts of the Forbidden. We also interview Leanna's co-author, Burrows of the Dead founder, Andrea Janes. The book is about, quote, Sorrowful widows, vengeful Jezebels, innocent maidens, wronged lovers, even the occasional axe murderess, America's female ghosts differ widely in background, class, and circumstances, yet one thing unites them, their ability to instill fascination and fear long after their deaths. Here are the full stories behind some of the best known among them, as well as the lesser known, though no less powerful. Tales whispered in darkness often divulge more about the teller than the subject. This episode is also part two of our Haunted History October series. I'm loving this conversation so much. This is already one of my favorite interviews so far. We have to start a guild of like unfun ghost tour guides. (laughs) 
so true. Like we just, that was one of the reasons why I knew that I could join Andrea's company as a tour guide, because I just really, really appreciated that at the core of her mission, founding Burrows of the Dead was respect, was respect for the history and respect for the dead. I was not interested in being a part of something that was like a a jump scare kind of thing. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Go go to a fabricated haunted house for that. Yeah. Do not do that on actual history. It's just disrespectful in every way. And so, like, that's one of the things for, you know, I, I ghosts are involved in everything that I do across every aspect of my career and my writing and all of my fiction and all of that comes down. You know, respect is at the core of all of it. Because if I'm, re- if I'm disrespecting this past, then I'm just also disrespecting humanity, just like Andrea eloquently said. This is what this is about. So we try to manage expectations right at the top of the tours. It'd be like, yes. you know, that we welcome believers and and skeptics alike, but this is not a tour about jump scares. It is New York City, so you can't, you know, sometimes random passersby will will try to jump out from a shadow, which totally does happen, but that's not that's not on us. So that's that's just random New Yorkers. But we've tried to manage expectations across everything that we do in the business as well as in the book. Because folks, you know, are gonna come to our book too with their different worldviews. And we've even seen in some of the reviews, it has not hit people in the way that they expected and they get frustrated by that. But more often than not, people have said, uh, it's been more positively received than than not. More often than not, people are like, I didn't know what to expect with this book, but I got so many different things in this book. So that's that's a good takeaway. Yeah, definitely. Anne-Marie, I'm glad that you're enjoying this interview. I really love talking <laughs> with other ghost tour guides about the real the real stuff, you know? Cool. Well, a lot of it's interesting because a lot of the things that you're saying are things that I are in align with. And I work in isolation because I'm the only one in this town that does ghost tours. And I always say from the beginning that this is a combination of history and haunting. So hopefully there's something for everyone. And, you know, all those things that you're talking about, I can totally relate to. And it's it's interesting how much I'm realizing how I function in isolation when I do this. I do want to talk about who you are and where you come from, but and what you do. So we're going to kind of end up there. But I also want to know, you know, why this history? Why did you get involved in this history that you write about? Andrea could go first. Well, I've still been thinking about your question. What's your favorite history? And (laughs) I think when I think about it some more, I think my favorite history is haunted history. If there's a ghost in it, I'm there for it. So I've just always been the kind of person that loves ghosts from the time I was a little kid. I have always been fascinated by ghosts and it's very specific. I've never been into vampires or monsters or anything else. It's always been ghosts my whole life. And um, I don't know. I'm just extremely attracted to that idea, I suppose. I'm from Canada originally, so I'm kind of, I'm from Ontario, and I really over-identify with Dan Aykroyd, who's a fifth-generation spiritualist from Ontario. I feel there are so many haunted Canadian stories that I want to tell, and so maybe volume three, I don't know, maybe we'll take it up north, but um, I love, I love the sense of place, I love this sense of region, and moving to New York, at first I felt very cut off from my home, because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in another country with different laws, and I need a little special piece of paper to live here. Wow. Then I started reading more about the Six Nations, which is the Iroquois Confederacy that encompasses not only upstate New York, but parts of southern Ontario. 
And I also have a lot of uh, love for upstate New York. My husband's from Buffalo and we spend a lot of time up there. And I reframed my thinking and I was like, wait a minute, maybe I'm not like a Canadian in a foreign country. Maybe the six nations that includes upstate New York and Ontario is all one. And maybe these borders are imaginary. And maybe the borderlands between life and death are imaginary. Do I have a point? Maybe. I don't know. But suddenly I feel at home. I love the concept. I love what Andrea said about borders being arbitrary because they are. The veil is thin in every way, in reality, materially and spiritually. But yeah, same same story in that ghosts for me very early on were absolutely the thing for me. My earliest ghost story happened before I can remember it. My mother was telling me a story about when my great-grandmother, who I am named for, was ill. And we were going to go up to visit her because it might be the last time that we could see her. I couldn't go visit her because I had a, a dangerously high fever. And I was like, a, I, I think I was maybe five or six at this point. And... um my mom was really worried about me and she was wondering about whether she should take me to the hospital or not. My father was up with my great grandmother and just as uh, she was debating about this uh, at this critical moment um, with, with my fever, it broke all of a sudden. And I evidently went into a rhapsodic ode talking about God and the angels using words I had never been taught. And we found out that was the time that my great-grandmother had passed. Ooh, wow. So that that right there is like I was clearly de destined in a moment of spiritual mediumship for this business, as it were. And so I, I do have a little bit of sensitivity. I, I'm careful about how I talk about that because it's not something I would ever like put a neon sign out about nor ever like make a business about. But it, it does it... Does it mean I gravitate towards discussions of spiritualism and mm. psychic mediumship and all this kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely. And then one of my first books that I carried around like it was a blanket was this. It's called Haunted Houses. And you can see it's very battered <laughs> by Larry Kettlecamp. And it is actually it is. So this is going to date me. It is a Xerox publication, like as in the copy company, like look at that. Oh, so wow. yes, this dated beat up book, I like memorized as a kid. It's like a chapter book. So it's meant to be a kid's book. And I just, this was everything to me. And then when I first saw A Christmas Carol mm. as a kid, I was like, oh, that era. Because I, my parents would talk about how when I would go past Victorian architecture or when I would like hear British accents on TV or like see period pieces, I would like pet the television. And so, um, <laughs> so I was like, so there was something I was picking up from another time period. And I always felt like really oddly, weirdly at home any in any Victorian setting at all. And so, you know, loving Christmas Carol when I was a kid, that's inextricably entwined with spirits. And so like ghosts and history for me also. Were I loved entwined. a Christmas Carol. That has always, always been yeah. like one of my very It's a gateway drug for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And, and it, it, it wasn't until I understood the concept of past lives that I thought, oh, maybe that's why I have this weird sense of something beyond myself that, you know, as I was getting older and, and looking at this critically, I was like, yeah, uh, the 19th century was not fun for anyone unless you were a rich white guy. <laughs> so let's look at this and examine this. So I actually, you know, part of my collegiate career was studying the Victorian era so I could understand a little bit more about this extremely fraught era. But all of my books are set in this era because it's also 
like Andrea was saying, this is the time when our social institutions start to change. And so that Gilded Age era, for me, that's my favorite historical area is the Gilded Age, because mm -hmm. so much of what we now consider our modern era, people were fighting for their rights at that mm -hmm. point. And that's dynamic for me. Where do we find this history in pop culture? Everywhere. <laughs> haunted, haunted history in bastardized form everywhere. Victorian history, Gilded Age history. Well, there's the Gilded Age, the show. <laughs> I definitely feel like the the predominance of ghost hunting shows gives us a sense of the popularity of ghost seeking as a general rule. But that's also an industry that's very dominated by men. And so I made sure... I, I had the pleasure of meeting Katrina Weidman, who's one of the, one of the only women who's on the ghost hunting shows. <laughs> and she's a lovely, lovely woman who graciously took some time to give, give us some thoughts for our introduction pieces about being a woman at that level of the ghost hunting shows being so very, very male centered. And she's very interested as we are in diversifying what it means to be a, a ghost seeker. Because as she points out, women have been at the core of the paranormal from the beginning. And the, the first technical ghost hunter was a woman, uh, Catherine Crow, whose history is incredible. And uh, there's a great uh, women's journal called The Feminine Macabre by Amanda Woomer. And her website is Spook Eats because she also does uh, haunted history with also local cuisine history, which is great. Um, Hungry ghosts. .com. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Exactly. She, she talks a lot about, about the long standing history of women in the paranormal and the spiritualist movement contacting the dead via seances and all of that stuff. The full of frauds and fakes, yes, and we talk about that, but also full of legitimate people who are trying to make social change happen and using spiritualism as a platform to do that. And so, and women have been at the core of all of that too. So I feel like our our insistence culturally in there being ghost tours and ghost tourism, uh, which props up a lot of economies. Andrea wrote brilliantly about that, about the Sorrel Weed House in Savannah. So it's it's one of those things where it's part of pop culture because it's a part of our consumerist society, too. Mm -hmm. Two things. I always find those shows so unfulfilling. I do. Um, and yet I'm, I've been intrigued by this, which I didn't really realize until, you know, I started doing ghost tours. But this has always been a place where I've thought and focused on as far as the spiritual, the afterlife, and that type of thing. And I think it has more to do with an, it's an internal experience for me and for my guests that come on the tour and that are open to talking about it and whatnot. So Leanna did tell us a, uh, her earliest experience with the paranormal. Do you have a, a story, Andrea, that you'd like to share? Or? No, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I am an insensitive. I don't see ghosts. I don't hear ghosts. I think I can sense them a little bit, but I might be just fooling myself. I think I heard a ghost once, but it could have been just a voice in my head. I've never seen anything. I might have felt something once. Could have been a breeze. I don't know. I've never had an experience like Liana's. I've never had anything noteworthy. And it makes me chuckle because I'm so interested intellectually in ghosts, but I have no actual stuff that's happened to me that's ghostly ever. Except for... Andrew and I had similar experiences in one of our favorite haunted houses, the Merchant's House mm -hmm. 
in uh, on Fourth Street in Manhattan. We both literally felt something, an actual touch. But was that uh, maybe so, just a breeze? I'll never no, know. I was I I was grabbed. In I, my elbow was grabbed, distinctly grabbed and squeezed by an ice cold hand. And and it was not my friend, Amanda, who has admittedly terrible circulation uh, and cold hands, but but it is not her. She was on the other side of the room. So yeah, no. I thought something I, brushed I, I by me, like he was trying to get past me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I, so I feel like it's it's fun that there's a, a, a co-written chapter where we each do share something that was was an inexplicable tactile moment. So, but I also feel what one of the things I love about this book is that Andrea and I do have very different approaches to this material. Not not that we are we have different opinions about the material itself, but our own sense of belief structures are quite different. But we've never let that's never gotten in the way of our insistence on as much of the truth as we know um while still leaving an open mind. And at the end of the day, the most important things are the real history and these people and being sensitive to them. It's more about being sensitive to the people than it is about being sensitive, capital S, mm -hmm. in, the, in the sixth sense capacity. And so that's where, because we're so fully equally committed to that, everything else, you know, just offers different perspectives, which I think in a book like this, it's really important to have two people who are coming at this from slightly different belief structures, but at the end of the day, trying to navigate these waters with that, with that same core respect, because I don't want it to be just one viewpoint on this. I want everybody who reads this from any different spectrum of belief or background to be able to feel like their possible viewpoints can be represented in here. Yeah. I mean, I've never felt anything very exciting in a supernatural sense. All my personal ghost stories are fairly weak. I don't consider myself a strong, sensitive person, but I also don't consider myself a skeptic either. Like not a dyed in the wool firm skeptic anyway. I mean, I have, I have skeptish leanings sometimes. Like I'm always looking for another possible explanation just because I like, I like the mental games in my mind. I'm just, I love to do that. Uh, everyone loves a good devil's advocate. So I, I will play those games and, and ask myself, is there some other possible explanation just for fun? I don't think skepticism is necessarily like, how do I phrase this? I don't, I don't think it's really my right. Like, who am I to say I don't believe in something? Like, I don't know everything. I have no specific authority to say nothing that you have felt is real. Like, I don't know. So some people will say, oh, you're an open-minded skeptic. I will say I fall in the, in the middle on the spectrum of belief. I think that there's something, there's possibilities. I don't, think I'm strictly a rational materialist. There's just too many belief systems in the world that do honor spirit. And I think that it's a valid approach to life. And I think that there's beauty in it. I'm just not far enough over to that end of the spectrum where I'm like, yeah, I talk to ghosts every day. And I think it's really funny because <laughs> like the reviews of the book are like, there weren't enough firsthand experiences. And I'm like, do you know how precious those are? Do you know how rare those are? It's like, who walks around seeing angels 10 times a day? Like that's the, that's a once in a lifetime thing, maybe like, you know, God, it's the, that's the ghost is such an ephemeral and, and delicate thing. If you have one encounter in your life, that could be it. So, yeah. Yeah. And we weren't going to make things up for the book mm -hmm. to have yeah. more firsthand experiences they, right. because I, because then, then we would get the response. Oh, they're just making stuff up. Right. But so that's not it, what the book we, is about. The book is about. Exactly. 
yeah. everything else that we talked about. I mean, that that right. is part of it. And I think your skepticism is healthy and good. You know, I started out doing the tours really being completely skeptical and not believing any of this stuff. And over the past, ever since 2017, since I've been running these tours, you know, people seek you out to tell you stories and to share evidence with me. Anyways, I don't know about you guys. Yes. But mm -hmm. there have been at least two things. Well, three things. No, I'm going to say two things that have happened. One that I was directly involved in and another one that somebody else shared with me. It's a digital recording. And it definitely, no matter how skeptical I am about anything, I always land back on those two things and say, there is something. I know that for certain. When I started doing tours, I did not know that. But mm -hmm. I do believe there's something. And like Andrea said, everything you said about, I don't know, who am I to deny that, you know, this happened or there there is a, you know, ghostly, whatever. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the most honest place to be. It is. Yeah. It yeah. is. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and I, I do think, like I said earlier, I am a skeptic first, even though I have an ardent belief, because I do not want that belief to cloud the reality, because that's not going to help anybody. Mm -hmm. mm. And another thing you said, Andrea, earlier about that I've been wanting to loop back around to is you said you were surprised that during COVID or after COVID that so many people were interested in this. And I keep thinking about the rise of spiritualism during the Civil War, like that kept going through my head as you were mm -hmm. talking. And mm -hmm. I guess it does make sense. I could right. see mm -hmm. where you get COVID fatigue or whatever, and you don't want to talk about death. But like you said, and I thought that was really profound is that, you know, people aren't able to talk about it. So yeah, they want to talk about it, because they've been stuffing all that's not how you said it, but holding on to all that. Yeah. And ghost tours are definitely a safe place, hopefully, depending on the company and the tour guide, uh, to talk about this stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, For sure, I agree. And I think as a historian, I probably should have seen it coming that the prevalence of death in real life would make people more open to uh, embracing the spiritual side of things. So I, now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. But um, I really did wonder. I was like, is anyone, you know, will they find it crass? Is it too soon? But no, it's it's like the plague times, man. People, they want to talk about it and they're curious about it. And yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the tour is usually a safe space. I don't know a lot of bad faith ghost tour guides, honestly. Different operators have different philosophies, different approaches, and some are far more commercial than others. But for the most part, a person who does this job is usually coming at it from a pretty, a pretty good place in in their heart. Like some are just doing it for the money, whatever it's part-time gig, but you know, most of them are very open to that spiritual chaplaincy aspect of it. Like they'll respectfully listen to your stories and they are genuinely interested in the history for the most part, the good ones who do this as a job and, and care. So there's not a lot of like really bad faith goes to guides out there who will dismiss you and who won't make it a safe space to talk about your experiences. If it's a, like a walking tour, sometimes the, the bus or the trolley can, not provide that space just because of the structure of it. You know, it's like a top-down performance. But on a more intimate kind of stroll, you'll you'll definitely have a, a chance to chat for sure. And I think also like, you know, there's some parts in the book where it could be perceived as though we're like criticizing the industry full stop, but like we're not. There are so many good aspects and you touched on it earlier economically. They can really revitalize depressed areas and they can be fantastic in terms of historic home preservation. Can't tell you how many historic homes have monetized their ghosts and saved the house. 
So, you know, they certainly can be useful, I think. So, yeah. What one thing, I'll give you each a, a chance to talk about it. What one thing do you want people to, if they could only remember one thing, what do you want them to remember or to know about this history? My Jerry Springer final thoughts are, <laughs> right. I want you to take away the fact that these were real women with real stories sometimes. This is a little bit of a kind of build on something Liana said in her introduction. I think it's like, remember the ghosts. You'll be one too. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. Succinct. I think just to add to that history and ghost stories are dynamic, ever evolving. And to try to make sure that your sense of history continues to expand the people that it includes in that history, because history is, by its very nature, sometimes exclusionary. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that people will look at this book and continue to include figures that may have been marginalized in the past and include them in discussions of the present. That's good. I love that. And in so doing, you can change the past by the way that you look at it and interpret it. Yeah. Exactly. And also, too, the things that are our cautionary tales remain so. I get very choked up talking about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire, which, we, which is our introductory chapter. Mm -hmm. And I get very worked up about it. And I say, heaven help me if I ever stop getting worked up about it. Yeah. Because all of these people died needlessly. And out of the 146 that died in that factory fire, 123 of them were women as young as 14 years old. And it is a cautionary tale mm -hmm. to make sure that we hold our leaders accountable, labor laws accountable, mm -hmm. because those things, those rights, our, our right to a safe workplace is sometimes still under attack here and around the world. And so that for me is a bit of a rallying cry from a labor perspective. And so that's, if you want something that's less general and more specific, <laughs> it is, I hope you will take away being aware of your rights as a worker and a citizen. Mm. Um, just for my listeners, I did do an episode about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory and I'll link out to it in our episode notes, but it's a Great. definitely, if you haven't listened to that episode, you should. Yeah. And just like to build on that, Leanna, I mean, seek social justice in the present because if you cannot provide justice for the living they will hunt you after they die you know these specters are those who have been wronged in many cases and should you continue with the ceaseless injustice you will continue to be haunted by these ghosts precisely anything else to say about the book about this history before we talk about who you are and what you do please buy this book because we want to do a sequel <laughs> it's an amazing and book, we can yeah. only do that if you support it like i hate to be i hate to be very crass and commercial after all of these noble thoughts and yet the harsh reality of this is that uh the publishing industry is very difficult and it relies on numbers and we would love your support because there's so many women that we did not get to include in this book there's so much more left to say mm -hmm. we have so many we've already been populating a spreadsheet of other fantastic tales that we want to share with you 
this is by no means an encyclopedia, but we would love to five years from now be able to say, yeah, we're building our encyclopedia of this subject. <laughs> On volume five. No, for sure. I mean, buy two copies, one for your friends. Christmas is coming, people. Do it. There's nothing better when, than a book of ghost stories for the holidays. When is the release date? September 27th. Okay, so that's Why that's next Tuesday? <laughs> Why that's next Tuesday? <laughs> Why, wait a minute. Are you saying you can buy this book right now? Yeah, you can, can pre-order it. it. Where can you buy it? Yeah, How do I buy it? Where do I buy it? Old. Let's talk about that then. <laughs> yes, wherever books are sold. So Kensington is available everywhere. So the Kensington is our publisher uh, with extended distribution via Penguin Random House, which is great. Literally wherever books are sold, it is a- available digitally in trade paperback and in audiobook. Of course, I'll link out to wherever you want me to, but I'll link out to your websites and a place to buy the book. Where can we find you? Who are you, Leanna? And where can we find you? I am I am at my full name.com. So Leanna Renee Heber.com. R-E-N-E-E-H-I-E-B-E-R.com. And I'm on Twitter more often than any other social media, partially because that's where publishing lives. And I've just built up an audience there. So my Twitter handle is Leanna Renee, L-E-A-N-N-A-R-E-N-E-E. I'm also on Instagram and my full name. I just started a TikTok because it's what, it's what you do are doing these days. <laughs> it's what you do. I'm going to try to get as many Gothic mansions as I see in the world. I'm going to try to get a little clip of me running from them. Oh, uh, how as fun. Like, I you love know, it. As a, my little iteration. So... <laughs> Because I, all of my books are gothic novels, so just with the women running from houses thing is really my is really my jam. So yeah. Anyway, so find me when on TikTok. When you come up here, we can arrange. Let's yeah, <laughs> oh, go. Good, yeah. good. Let's please do that. Yeah, I love I love this. Good around the country cool. and gothic houses. And you've written quite a few books, quite a few books. Yes, I'm about to release in October. I'll release my sixteenth. Wow. And what is your genre generally? We were talking about this earlier. Generally speaking in my fiction, my genre is gothic gas lamp fantasy, which means a fantasy novel that's set in the Gilded Age, the late Victorian era, at least for me. But gas lamp fantasy Mm -hmm. is very specifically referring to the gaslit era. And it's a genre delineation that separates it from steampunk, which is a little bit more science fiction in a historic setting. Gas lamp fantasy is creating fantasy solutions to the problems that the characters face. So in that case, it's ghosts solving crimes and saving the day. So because it's not straight historical fiction, I do have lots of paranormal goings on. That makes it a gas lamp fantasy rather than a straight historical fiction. Andrea, tell us about who you are and what you do. Well, I am also a writer and not as prolific as Liana, but uh, who is? I am the owner and founder of Burrows of the Dead, a walking tour company in New York that presents history with a macabre bent. We have dark history tours and walking tours and ghost tours. We've got it all. You can find me online at burrowsofthedead.com. That's burrows like the five burrows of New York, not like Spanish for donkey. Burrowsofthedead.com. And we are on Twitter at macabre NYC and Instagram at burrows of the dead and we have walking tours pretty much year round except in the dead of winter 
Uh, usually we start around March, April-ish and uh, continue through the end of the year. We have our Halloween tours happening right now and we will go through Christmas because we are one of those Christmas ghost people. We do think a la Charles Dickens that uh, ghosts belong in Christmas. And we do do, for those who are not necessarily in New York City, we do do the occasional mm-hmm. virtual tour. So please yep. sign up for the mailing list. We have some cool events too, like more book events coming up as well that are virtual. So unless you're in Australia, there's like a time difference issue for the live events. Um, and we're working on that. Yeah, there's a lot of online cool stuff that you can do. And I mean, really, if you buy this book, it's almost like you're on our tour. Yeah. Exactly. Can I say one last thing? Yeah, I thought this was my Columbo. I have one more thing. I thought this was really funny when Liana was talking <laughs> about she her. She scratches her head like. Columbo. I know. Oh my God, that was, that was subconscious. No, but I have a hard boiled egg in my pocket. <laughs> so that was really unconscious. How funny that was. So when you guys were talking about some of your like predilections and childhood faves and all this, I was sitting here thinking about um, a Christmas tree ornament that I had when I was a little kid that I loved so much. I would take it off the tree and look at it. It was a miniature book. And I looked at it so much that the glue fell apart and I had to re-glue it back together. And I loved it so much that I gave it to my daughter. And it is a tiny miniature abridged version of A Christmas Carol. Oh, I love it. That's beautiful. We come full circle, everybody. (laughs) I'm OCD. I have to finish all my conversations. It is formative for all of us. Yes. No, it's so good. It is. It is. It is the gateway drug. Um, Thank you, Mr. Dickens. A historic note that I think is very relevant that's also a full circle note on this is that Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol came out in 1843, the same year that the Fox sisters were starting off spiritualism. Oh. The same year. Interesting. And it's the same year. The collective consciousness. It is, it is, absolutely. And it's also the same year that the first Christmas card became commercially available. So that also comes back Hmm. around to consumerism. So it's all, it's all well, 1848, yeah, uh, the year the Fox sisters went public with their wrappings, was uh, also the year that Catherine Crow wrote The Night Side of Nature. And by the way, her great nemesis, the guy who like besmirched her reputation and told everyone that she was crazy, was Charles Dickens. Oh, yeah, we're getting a little Fox Mulder here. So, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's all connected. Before we go back down in the basement, yeah. We- <laughs> So many timely pop culture references from Columbo to the X-Files. So Andrea and Leanna, it has been so wonderful talking to you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. There you have it. Andrea Janes and Leanna Renee Heber, co-authors of A Haunted History of Invisible Women, True Stories of America's Ghosts, Be sure to check out our episode notes to find out more about these amazing women and their new book. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.